So I want us to, to do something different tonight, if that's, if that's cool with you. Um, last week, uh, Sunday night was pretty cool. We had, a, um, we, we had sort of a discussion here. And that was actually initiated by um, Mitchell. Um, that's Miranda's husband. He sort of said, okay, so is this going to be like the traditional church thing where we're just going to sit and listen to this guy? And this morning I spoke to John uh, Rochefort and he said, you know, I asked him why, why were they here this morning. And he said, well, you know what, if I, if I don't have to do anything at church, I try to get away and visit like another church, hear somebody else speak. Because then I tend to listen better. Because when I hear the same voice week after week, I tend to stop listening as well. That's his experience. So with that combined, I thought, what if we could make Sunday evenings a little bit more exciting uh, in terms of me just talking for 30 minutes? What about I talk for 15 and then we talk about it for 15? How do you feel about that? There's anything on your heart mind? Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. I think there's, this, there's a place for monologue. Uh, for one person declaring what God is saying. But I also think in the church, there's, there's definitely a place for dialogue. Now, I know we do that on Wednesday nights. Um, but on, on Sunday nights, I think we are, we are few enough to, to make it work. And here's the big reason. Because you might be seeing something in the text that I don't. And somebody else might be seeing something. If after 15 minutes, can't guarantee it's going to be 15 minutes. I hope so. Um, if after 15 minutes, there isn't anything, then we'll just call it and go have coffee. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm too lazy to speak for 30 minutes. I've got lots of words. We, we can stay here for hours if you want to. Uh, this is about effectiveness. We have a text in front of us, and we want to unpack it, and we want to get meaning out of it. So if you do have your Bible with you, it's a good idea to turn to it. Then you have it in front of you. And as we progress, I'm going to say a few things. Um, not everything I say is perfect. And you might have something else. that Then keep it in your mind. And then we'll, we'll spend some time on it. This way, I've got 15 minutes that we can record. And that people uh, who would like to listen to can listen to those 15 minutes based on the text. And at least we'll have a discussion then as well. So we, we, uh, we, t- we kill two, uh, one bird with two stones. So let's spend our time a little bit differently. So we are, we are dealing with the book of Acts. Those of you who have not been here on Sunday evenings for the last, um, last three weeks, I think it is. We started off with... This idea which came so powerfully through for me right from the Old Testament. And the book of Acts, especially these first few chapters, it's so interesting how it relates to the Old Testament things as you'll see tonight. But what, is, what was so powerful for me is that Jesus always had in mind, of the, he always had this imperial ambition. He wanted to take over the world. Jesus wants to take over the world. That's what we saw in, uh, through his whole mission. That's what we see in the book of Daniel. This kingdom that would come, that would fill the whole earth. And we know what this kingdom is. It's the kingdom of God. Um, it's the kingdom of heaven. In some, some verses it talks about that. It's God wanting to take his reign and take over the whole world. And he said to his disciples, okay, the way that we're going to take over this world is you guys are going to start it. And I'm going to give you the what? The dunamis, the dynamite. The power from heaven, and that's going to help you to take over this whole uh, world that we live in. And if we read the book of Acts, you see that that's actually what happened. The apostles basically conquered the world through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the dunamis, the the power of God. Now, when we look at um, Russia taking over Ukraine, uh, Russia's got imperial ambitions. It wants to take over a larger territory. How does it do it? It does it with weapons and with warfare. In the spiritual realm, it's exactly the same thing. The, the weapon is the Holy Spirit. 
The warfare is done by us. We take over. And that falls in line with the lesson from this morning. Okay? Uh, what we see then in the second part of chapter 1 is that uh, Jesus had said to the disciples, All right, you guys need to go wait in Jerusalem until you receive this power from on high and you can start this mission. But just wait. And then while they are waiting, they're sort of praying. And then Peter stands up and he says, Okay, one of our guys are dead. It's Judas. We need to fill up that space with somebody else. And so they, say they elected two guys and then they, they did a lot. Uh, they threw lots out. And they chose Matthias. Okay, that's sort of chapter 1. Now we are in chapter 2. Before we get there, let me just introduce to us some thoughts. Because obviously we want to we draw something out of this. I can already sense I'm going to talk longer than 15 minutes. Help me. Okay, so there's, 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 there's two great debates in the world in theology. If you haven't come across it, uh, I've spoken about it before. I'm going to talk about it again. Um, it's Calvinism versus Arminianism. And in the simplest way is this. Calvinism says, God has predestined everything to happen as it is. According to Calvinism, everything has been determined. So in other words, according to Calvinism, I don't have a choice. That wasn't my choice. That Calvinism says, God made me do this. Everything that happens in our world is controlled by God. And they've got good reasons to believe in that, by the way. Arminianism says, no, God sort of created the world and he left us alone and we make our own decisions. All of us make our own decisions. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is, is that you, did you choose when you were born? No, you didn't. Do you choose when you die? Well, if you commit suicide, yes. But if not, then not really, right? So there are some things that's out of our control. Now, there's something else. An, another theory, which is called, or a theological system, which is called Molinism. Molinism, I think, is more accurate. Molinism says, God does certain things. We do certain things. And we are sort of working together with God. Which is true, I think. I think that's the most valid theory. So, yes. Some things in my life, God does. It's not my choice. It's His choice. Now, that might be a disease. It might be some other things that happen in my life. That could be his choice. It's out of my hands. And some things in my life, I choose. The question is, how do we, um, how do we navigate this? How do we figure out what God does and what I do? What's my responsibility? What's God's responsibility? So, look at this text. I think we've, we've sort of, oh, there's a text missing here. Oh, my goodness, I didn't put it in. Okay, it's Luke chapter 18, verse 27, that basically says... That um, maybe if anybody has their Bible and won't mind just turning there. Look at this preacher guy who preaches without a Bible. Go for it. The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. So this is a verse that I use to help me regulate what I'm responsible for and what, God, what I allow God to be responsible for, if that makes sense. I do what I can and I let God do what only He can do. Does that make sense? I do what I can and certain things in my life I can't do. I leave that up to God. Because you know what we often do? We often want to try and resolve the issues that only God can resolve. And we end up worrying and being concerned instead of just leaving it to God and let His um, Spirit do it. So sometimes we don't get things done 
because we are trying to do what God wants to do. And we need to learn to listen to Him in those situations. You can feel when you are trying to do something that actually only God can resolve. And that's where we sort of trust Him. Babes, it was just the one verse, but thank you. That's what a good wife does. She submits even though you don't say anything. It's incredible. Thanks, babes. Now, okay, here's, here's this verse. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You've, you've heard this um, before. This sort of tells me that I'm not in control totally of everything that happens in my life. I might have many plans, but at the end of the day, God might have a different plan. How do we um, navigate that? So we do what we can, but we also notice when God wants to do something different. And we need to let his spirit work. Now, with that in mind, the apostles were told, okay, that there's going to be a kingdom that will spread throughout the earth. But how? How would this happen? They didn't know exactly how this would happen. God had plans. But God said to them, okay, all you guys got to do is you need to go sit and wait. You will receive power from on high. But for now, you must just go sit and wait. I would be tempted to make plans. I would be tempted to sit there and like figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to spread this kingdom out over all the earth? What's the process going to be? And with that said, the following happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, just a few notes. We'll go verse by verse as we go on. It's the day of Pentecost. This is 50 days, Pente, or Pentagon, 50 days after the Passover. We'll talk about that in a moment. And it's the same guys from Acts chapter 1 that's in this room now. Okay, and what I, what I saw here for the first time, and I, I feel horrible about this, but I have often read this verse and thought that what filled the house was wind. Is that what filled the house? It was a sound. It must have been an incredible sound. It's a vertical sound that comes from heaven, comes into the house, fills the whole house where they were sitting. And then this, this, this fire, then this fire somehow appears, and it's, it's like tongues, tongues of fire that fall down onto these. Uh, and and the, the Greek seems to indicate that the, the fire went and sat on them, sat on them. And then they started to speak in tongues. And what's interesting for me here, if you've got friends who go to churches who speak in tongues, or friends who do speak in tongues, um, what's interesting for me here is that what enables you to speak in tongues? It is the Spirit. Did these guys expect to speak in tongues? Did they expect that this was God's plan? They had no plan. They didn't know what God's plans were. They just sat and waited. It happened to them. If you go to some of these churches, that's not what speaking in tongues is. Speaking in tongues is something that you learn. You need to come to the speaking in tongues class. We'll teach you how to speak it. That's not the same as what we read here. Listen to this carefully. If God wants you to speak in tongues... You will speak in tongues, whether you know it exists or don't. He will make it happen. That's how the Spirit works. 
Okay, that's some thoughts from me. Verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now for me, this is very interesting. This is, this is for me incredible. It's like I come to church. Suddenly there's this massive sound that fills this whole room. And suddenly Doug and Dave can speak Afrikaans. I'll pass out. I won't believe it. To be incredible. These guys have never spoken that language. Suddenly they can. That's what happened here. It's a language. It's languages. Now, verse 9. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Now, um, a few things that's interesting for me here. I think that um, I think it teaches us what speaking in tongues is um, quite neatly, that it is indeed something that God does. It's not a choice you make. The Spirit makes the choice whether you speak in tongues. And when you go to some of these churches, they say, well, you, you, you know what? You, if you can speak in tongues, if you, if, if you want to. That's not what I see in this text. It happens to them. Number one. Number two, speaking in tongues is actual languages. Normal human languages. All right? Um, something interesting for me as well. Remember in chapter one, Matthias was chosen by what? By Lot. And we were talking about, well, is that how God works? Well, clearly... It seems like Matthias received the Holy Spirit here as well. And if he receives the Holy Spirit, then obviously God's approval was lying on the selection of Matthias as well. For in case that's a question that you had in your mind. Now, when I read this text, it's loaded with Old Testament significance. I want to point out four things for you. First of all, 1 Kings chapter 19 talks about Elijah. Elijah is in this cave. He has run away. He's basically a coward. He's scared. And God calls him. There's this whisper that comes to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? He's run away because of Jezebel, right? Because of a woman. So he's hiding in this cave. And he goes out of the cave to listen to this voice. And then suddenly God um, sends this mighty wind that rips the mountains apart. And then a fire that burns stuff up. And an earthquake. And the rocks split and things. But every time God isn't in it, and then there's this voice that comes, um, oh, well, that's actually in Zechariah, I think it is, that says, not by might, not by, by, by strength, but by my spirit. And that seems to be the lesson that comes out of this story with Ezekiel. And that seems to be something in my mind when I read Acts chapter 2 with the sound coming from heaven, this, this wind sound that comes from heaven. It's as if the power of God is present. And it's interesting that it also happens at the same time that the Spirit is being poured out, the Spirit of God. And the first message I would interpret there from, from the perspective of the, of the apostles is that this is a sign that the Spirit of God is here and that we are going to conquer not by might, not by strength, but by the Spirit of God. 
The second thing I pick up is Genesis chapter 11. We've spoken about this before. In Genesis chapter 11, remember the whole world had spoken one language. And one of the things that God did to separate them, to keep them from building the Tower of Babel was what? He gave them each different languages. Why? Because when you've got different languages, what happens? You, you separate. You don't want to be with people that don't speak the same languages. You don't understand them. Hey, pass that brick. And the guy's talking to you in Zulu or some other language that you've never heard before. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to build the tower. So in Genesis chapter 11, God separates people from each other by giving them different languages. Here in Acts chapter 2, God brings the human race together again by enabling them to speak and understand one another's languages from all over the world. So Genesis 11, separation, Acts chapter 2, let's bring the whole world together again, which I think is powerful. And remember, on this mission, on this mission to conquer the whole world, to take the kingdom to the ends of the earth, one of the greatest barriers would be what? Language. And so God is saying, I'm going to take the first barrier out of the way. Language isn't going to be a problem. Exodus chapter 3 is interesting for me. Because in Exodus chapter 3, how does God appear to, to uh, Moses? In a fire. In a burning bush. And what is the conversation about? Moses says, hey, I can't go speak to Pharaoh. I'm nobody. I, I, I don't have words. And what does God say to him? I created the tongue. It's interesting for me in Acts chapter 2 that there's fire and tongue. In actual fact, the fire looks like a tongue. Tongue. The tongue will be the dynamite used to conquer the enemy. Let this sink in with relation to this morning's lesson. The tongue is the dynamite that changes the world. This tongue. The spirit enables you to speak the gospel that changes the world. Same, same message. And then lastly, Exodus chapter 19. And this I found interesting. I didn't know this. It's interesting when I... Looked at this. Next to this chapter 19, they are by Sinai, right? It's a month after they crossed through the Red Sea. They receive the Levitical law. They receive the Torah from God. The law that says, hey, you guys are going to live with me now. You need to obey these certain laws. I don't know this, but when that law was given at Sinai, that was 50 days after the Passover. So the first Pentecost happened at Sinai when the Jews received the law. And you know what happened on that day? God appeared like sort of on the mountain with Moses. Do you remember that? What happened to the mountain? Oh, there were billows of smoke and sounds and roaring. And God said, don't touch the mountain or you will die. Remember that? This is the same event, but this is the new covenant now. So the first covenant, you have released. You released from Pharaoh in Egypt by the sacrifice of the lamb, the blood on the door frames, right? 50 days later, you receive the law. This is how you're going to walk with me, rumbling and thunder at the mountain. The New Testament, you go, Jesus dies on the cross at the Passover, 50, and freed from sin the human race is, and 50 days later, the day of Pentecost happens. And there's rumbling again, and there's thunder again, and there's a sound from heaven again. But this time, this time, God was not going to walk with them. You see, when you go to the Old Testament, God walked with them. How? By cloud and by the fire, right? Do you remember there was a fire by, by night? But in the New Testament, what happens? God says, I'm not going to walk with you. I'm going to live in you. In the New Covenant, the tongue of fire goes into them. I think it was powerful for these guys. 
Here's a nice image for you, just out of interest's sake. That's where all the people came from who were in Jerusalem. Now that might look small for you, but that's huge. At this time of the world, that's practically the whole known world for them. Look, all the way from Rome, from Africa, Libya, Egypt, Pontus, Parthia. I think God made it happen at that specific time because these people would go back home and guess what they'll take with them? The message. The tongue would go with them. So, lessons. I'm on 15 minutes. I'm on 14 minutes, I think. Okay. Thoughts from my side. Just me. You might have something else. Wait and let God. It's good advice when you lack a plan or direction. That's what we see here with the disciples. They weren't sure what to do, but Jesus said, you just wait. Sometimes it's good just to wait and let God. You might come to the end of a road, a brick wall. You don't know where to go. It's okay. Just wait. Let God. His Spirit will come and will give you direction. You cannot place the work of the Holy Spirit in a box. It's the second thing that came to my mind. If you look at this text, why is the Spirit associated with wind and fire? Something to think about. I always see this, because people ask me, how do we explain the Trinity? It's one of the most difficult things to explain, because our heads can't grasp it. How do you explain the word Trinity? First of all, it's not in the New Testament, but we do pick up, there's this triune God. What does the Spirit do? And in my mind, the Spirit is the work of God on earth. It's like the fingerprint of God in your life. You don't see Him, but you do what? You see what He does. And that's what the wind does. You can't capture the wind into a box. But you see what he does when he moves the leaves. That's what the Spirit does. He's everywhere. You just can't grab him. You can't contain him like you can't contain the wind. Now, a scripture came to my mind, John 3 verse 8. The wind blows where it pleases. And you hear its sound. But you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I think sometimes we try to put the Spirit of God into a box. We think we know exactly how he works. Oh my goodness. He doesn't submit to anybody. And he doesn't submit to our intellectual paradigms. He doesn't have to submit to our theology either. The Spirit does what he wants. The Spirit can work in pagans if he wants. And we see that even in the, uh, in the Old Testament. Thirdly, when the Spirit works in you, there will be those who marvel and those who mock. You pick it up in the text, didn't you? Here these guys were speaking in tongues and some of these devout God-fearing Jews, they come, they say, wow, what could this be? These guys are speaking in all these languages. That's incredible. The text says they marveled at them. What's the last verse? There are a bunch of people who say, nah, these guys are drunk on new wine. You will have that. When the Spirit leads you and you live your life and you do God's will, you will always have Two different views of you. Some people will mock you and some people will marvel at you. Don't let that ever discourage you. Just because people mock you doesn't mean that you're not walking in the Spirit. And lastly, God will not send you on a mission without the necessary tools. He gives them the tools here to conquer the world. And He will do the same for us.